Hi, and welcome to Ahead of the Field, a podcast series brought to you by NFU Mutual, exploring how farmers are growing their businesses in the future. I'm Will Evans. I'm a farmer and podcaster based in North Wales. This series of podcasts will look at new sources of income, new farming models, new farming technology, and our first few episodes will be focusing on farmers who've done something different, who've diversified their businesses and are looking at new ways to secure their farming futures. I myself moved from being a relatively small-scale dairy farmer into beef production, arable crops, a free-range egg unit, contract baling business and a little bit of podcasting on the side. And what it's done is it's made our business more robust for the future. According to our research, over 60% of farm businesses have done some sort of similar diversification. And so we're starting this series by setting out to meet some of the people who've done this, who've met the challenges and who are inspiring other people with their successes. We'll hear their stories, we'll walk around their farms, hear what their biggest challenges have been, what they've had to overcome, and hopefully get them to tell us some of their secrets and ask what they think the big opportunities are. We'll also talk to the experts who can give us all some insight and advice about what help is out there if you're considering diversifying for your own farming business. Today we're at the Riga Estate in Wales. In just 20 years, Lord Newborough has taken this from being a 2,000 acre sheep and cattle farm to a 12,500 acre business employing over 130 people with an international brand, export business and an extraordinary reputation for organic food. It incorporates commercial lettings, renewable power generation, a bison herd, a farm shop and even a drive through restaurant. And we're very grateful to Lord Newborough for being our guide today. Thank you very much for having us, sir. So can you give us a potted history of the Riga Estate and the journey you've been on in the last two decades? In 1998, my father died, and uh, I had to make a decision then as to what I was going to do with the estate. It was a low-input, low-output operation up till then, and I'd been eating organic food through the 90s, which was hard to come by, Mm -hmm. and we'd had a series of food scares, and it was at that point I decided that what I really wanted to do was farm organically. From there the business has grown. We started marketing our product through Waitrose and in 2002 we opened what started as our farm shop which was two vans. One was selling burgers and the other one was selling fresh meat on a busy road with a good location. They became really busy points where people stopped on their way to Snowdonia So from that point on, we never looked back. And I think in 2004, we started to take our meat to London and started wholesaling. After that, we started looking at export. And we went to Hong Kong, Macau, and then Singapore. In more recent years, we go to other places like the Middle East, a little bit into Europe. Mm. So basically, the business has grown from just a beef and sheep farm to beef, sheep, chickens, turkeys, geese, venison and a few bison. (laughs) Did you have it all planned out or did it just come about naturally as the demand grew? Uh, Total seat of the pants. (laughs) Uh, No, (laughs) very little planning went to it but uh, we found customer demand. I suppose that was the first plan and then uh, we realised that organics had a good place for the future the business has grown on the back of that really. And what were the original reasons for diversifying the business? 
It was basically when I had the opportunity, I was doing something I believed in, something I felt that I was quite passionate about, really following that and, and my belief in sustainable farming that really drove me down that route. Okay, and how do you keep on top of all the different enterprises and things you've got going on here? I don't. <laughs> I mean, no, I, no, it's not true. I'm very lucky. I have a brilliant team. I have a number of passionate managers who all manage different sectors of the business. They're all experienced in what they do, and I rely heavily on them, and I probably... Um, intervene far too much but that's the nature of the animal i'm afraid so if that's okay can we go on a bit of a tour and yeah. have a look around the place let's, please let's go and see what we can find so we're here in the shop we're surrounded by all the produce you can think of there's a butcher's counter all kinds of fresh produce there all the all the meats off the farm turkey geese build up to christmas there's behind me there's uh, organic duvets made with wool from the farm and there's all kinds of organic produce there's honey sauces uh, biscuits i can see everything you can think of and we're here with lord newbrook and he's going to introduce us to a few of the staff here key members of staff here i have graham webster who's uh, our retail manager and his assistant amy kelman who help run the business here they run the farm shop the bistro the takeaway and they're also in charge of the drive-through. So this originally started out as a van on the side of the road, and look where it is now. I mean, you must cover a whole range of different things. We've got lots of products in now. It started really to support the farm and sell the meats on the counter so that we could support the, the, the animals on, on the farm, but then the whole farm shop has grown around that now, and we've got a full range of products. A lot of them are organic. Our wines are organic. The honey that you've mentioned, that's actually made on the estate. Uh, we've got lots of local ciders and beers. We support lots of local companies as well, uh, lots of Welsh cheeses, honeys, jams, you name it. What are the best sellers here? What's the, what do people really come through the door for? Our meat continues to sell really well, and this year we've seen a real spike in cheese and pies. I think people are looking for a bit, bit of extra quality now, not just so that they can get in the supermarket. They want a point of difference, so they come to us because we've got some different things on offer, some that are a little bit more special, a bit unique. What were the biggest challenges for you in going from farming into retailing? I think it's a mistake to think that a farmer can turn into a retailer. I think you need the expertise to retail and it's not anything like farming so uh, it's a steep learning curve if you don't know what you're doing. What were the biggest things you had to learn along the way? I think to control the margins, control the labour costs and uh, generally give the customer what they want and the customers now are more aspiring and they want better so you've got to think ahead how you're going to improve things as you go along and keep up to date. And what skills did you have to bring in from the outside? Definitely uh, retail skills and also the catering skills. Those were the main things, as as well as butchery. I mean, uh, we have 11 butchers in the cutting plant here. We have uh, counter butchers. We have butchers in Borough Market. Local butchery skills are very important. Presumably marketing was a big thing as well. Yes, marketing. We had to think about building a brand. So brand development at the early stages was invaluable. And from then, uh, we've been able to build on the brand and build on the fact that we're producing a healthy, quality product. 
And did it help that you progressed gradually rather than just building the full shop straight away? Well, there were one or two sort of peak points which were a bit of a challenge, like uh, when we first went to London to wholesale, we went to six potential customers and uh, ended up with five active customers at the end of the day. Uh, Panic spot, you know, how were we going to butcher for five restaurants in London and how logistically we would get it to London. So lots of challenges along the way. Seat of the pants stuff, you'll get there somehow. <laughs> We're just going past the takeaway. It looks a, looks a very busy place. What kind of footfall do you get there? Um, we're up to about half a million people a year now wow. coming up to uh, wow. uh, the centre here. Mm, yeah. Okay. And here there's a plaque on the wall that says uh, Prince of Wales opened the place in 2013. Absolutely. We had a great day. Visited the farm, we did a farm tour, and then he opened the health complex. So, uh, and subsequently we've been servicing the Royal Households for six years, and uh, this April we got the Royal Warrant. And the Prince of Wales is obviously a huge supporter of organic produce. He understands a lot more about organics <laughs> than I'll ever know, and I'm a great admirer of his. So we've just come through into the Bison Grill Bistro. Creating a series of restaurants must have added another whole new set of complications. Uh, it certainly did. I mean, we started, as I mentioned, with the takeaway uh, out of the vans, and when we built this farm shop in 2011... Uh, we thought it would be a good idea to have a restaurant. I got uh, someone in, a trained chef, and he came here, put a whole new standard and a stamp behind the bistro, and it's grown ever since. Fantastic. And uh, you must, I guess there's lots of local people employed in the kitchens and in the restaurants. Uh, yes, this is a big source of employment, and uh, we have about 17 people working in the kitchen, and then there's front of house as well. Amy, you're the assistant general manager here. Do you see lots of people coming back every Sunday for Sunday lunches? Do you see local people? Is it tourists? I guess it's the full range. Yeah, it's a bit of a mixture. Um, obviously, over summer, we are very, very touristy. And even throughout the winter, to be honest, because we're on the main road to Snowdonia. So we have a lot of tourists as well, but also local families. Um, we have our regulars, definitely on a Sunday, that keep coming back. We're also dog-friendly, so we have a lot of regulars who come here because there's not many dog-friendly places in the area, so they keep coming back to us. So you were a waitress here as well. It must have been very hectic at certain times of the year. Oh, definitely, especially over the summer holidays, Christmas. We do a lot of evening events as well throughout the year. Um, but yes, and Sunday lunch is very popular, so we have a lot. it's very, very busy. So we'll leave the diners in the bistro to it. If you haven't got time to stop here, or even at the takeaway next door just through the window, you can call it the newly opened drive-thru. Let's go and have a look at that. Just before we carry on with the rest of this episode, you might like to know that NFU Mutual has published a report on diversification that you can download right now. Just go online and search for NFU Mutual Diversification. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please do make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Right, back to the programme. Hi, can I have one coffee, please, and one... We're here standing in the newest part of the business, the drive through What made you first think of the idea? We were already very busy on the takeaway. I saw Starbucks and Costa opening some drive through 
and I thought we're, we're in such a good location here with a busy main road that um, it was an obvious extension to what we were already doing. So here we are, it's another addition to the Reed Food Centre. Mm. And it's, it's the first of its kind in the country, isn't it? It is, this is, as far as I know, the only farm drive-through in the country, yeah. and it's uh, certainly caused a lot of interest. So you might start a trend. You never know. <laughs> Uh, Gareth Jones, the state farm manager of Grig. Gareth, you've been the farm manager here for 25 years. You've seen some serious changes in your time. Uh, one or two, yes. When I started here, it was with Lord Newborough's father, and the farmers run on sort of conventional lines then, just sheep and a bit of arable and no cattle at all. So it's been a steeper learning curve for you as for anyone else? Well, most of the staff, to be fair, you know, I'm of the sort of settled farm staff. I was the last to join. Mm-hmm. So there are uh, a few staff that have been here a lot longer than I have. So mm-hmm. between about six of us, we've got a combined uh, service of about 250 years or something. So You'd have to have a real breadth of knowledge, though, over all the different kinds of livestock you've got here. Yes, I think, you know, these traditional mixed farms are becoming fewer and farther between. Yeah. You know, people are becoming more specialised, mm-hmm. and obviously you can see the point in that, but... You know, a, a properly sort of self-sustainable farm, an organic farm, uh, needs to be um, a balanced farm, you know, the balance between sheep, cattle and cropping. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got here, of course. And Mervyn Roberts has joined us as well. He's a local NFU mutual agent. Hi, Mervyn. You know this estate well. Why do you think they've been so successful? Yes, we've, we haven't owned the estate a long time. We've been uh, in association with Riga Estate for almost 30 years. And um, the biggest change we've seen... Uh, in the in the recent history of the estate is the diversification and I think what they've done very successfully is they've played to their strengths they, they, they've got a, nice, a fantastic location here along the A5 road and uh, what they've done also is to build a team of people around them it's very apparent that it's about a team building exercise and it really has made a, a big difference to the local economy of the town, uh, it's bringing jobs into the area. And what can other farmers learn from their example? I think it's um, not being afraid of uh, changes. Uh, I think a lot of farmers in this area are traditionally beef and sheep and I think they're quite reluctant to change but I think you know with possibly Brexit and all the other changes that are facing us I think farming will have to look at diversification moving forward and there are huge opportunities out there. What advice and help have you been able to provide them here over the years? Well, we've we've worked very closely with Lord Newburn and the team of people uh, that are on the estate, and you know we've looked at things like obviously the insurance, getting the insurance covers right, and also we've um, you know we've got a team of risk management services who have worked very closely with Reg Estates because as you can imagine, with all this diversification happening on the farm, um, it's very important that health and safety is looked at very carefully. And, uh, you know, we, we're working closely on, on that side of things. What really underlines everything is Lord Newber's passion about the environment, organics, and uh, supporting local businesses and uh, getting local staff into work. Thanks very much, Mary. So here we are now in the office. Uh, this is the sales department, and uh, we take orders on a daily basis for the health sale business. And I have a, a team here who are on the ball most of the time. So if I introduce, introduce Joan. 
Right, so here we're taking orders every morning for uh, deliveries to London, to uh, some of the top hotels and restaurants in London, to independent delis and various independent delis. Um, we also deal with home deliveries and all the export to Singapore, uh, Dubai, Hong Kong, Croatia and newly to the Netherlands and beyond, really. So in the morning, it's really buzzing here with people taking orders, talking to chefs. It's a very personal service. We like to talk to all our customers, whether they're here or in Hong Kong. And that's what gives us the point of difference, really. People have worked here. They tend to stay here. It's a very happy office. And you'll find that chefs or people that have worked in shops, they move around. A chef you'll be talking to in London, you might be talking to them in Hong Kong in six months' time. And the keen ones, you know, the ones that come to visit the farm, you'll see them progress, which is always really nice. So uh, We're in the build-up to Christmas now. Obviously the busy season for turkeys. How, how seasonal is the business with things like that? There's always something new and interesting throughout the year. So earlier on in the year, say, our spring lamb comes on and then we move on to salt marsh lamb. But yeah, now it's all about turkeys and geese. So we start on the farm back in June, July, they arrive and we we get them all ready. But in terms of our sales office, it's from about September. Things get really crazy and that just builds and builds. So now I've got a graph in front of me now looking at hopefully they're going up for sales and the work in the office here does get more intense as the orders are coming through. Would you get many people ordering, sort of butchers and things like that, ordering dog lots, or, or would it be mostly individual families buying individual birds? There's a real mix. So we've got lots of wholesale customers that we serve every year, and they'll be placing their orders nice and early so we can plan and, and get things ready for them. And then we have lots of individual customers as well, which a lot of them we tend to see just at Christmas, so they come to us for their Christmas meal or their, you know, their Christmas meat. So they're very seasonal customers, mm-hmm. which is why we have this big spike in sales because you know they might order the odd thing throughout the year, but then they, there's a mass of influx of orders. I suppose individual families, when they come to pick up their turkey, it's a bit of a, an occasion, I suppose, every year, a bit of a Christmas tradition. Yeah, and as the business here has grown into a bigger enterprise, it has become like a family day out. You know, they'll come and they'll pick up their turkey and they'll have a look around the shop. There's places for them to have a walk around. Glass of wine. A glass of old wine, yeah. So it is, it's a lovely event. Yeah. And, and we love to have our, you know, it's really nice for us to get to meet our customers mm. and have them come to the farm. I'm with Gary, who's the production manager here at the cutting plant. What's the range of animals you have on the farm for meat? Okay, right, what we do is we do lamb, Aberdeen Angus, uh, cattle, we Mm -hmm. do sheep, we've got our salt marsh sheep on our our farm in Carnarvon, we do pork, and we do chickens, turkeys, geese, we've got rabbits, we've got pheasants, we've got venison, and all game birds on site. So it's quite varied. Just the way everything you can think of. Yep, obviously we, we like to be that way because obviously a lot of our customers want to be uh, very different than what we produce them. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't have white meat, they can have red meat, so we'd like to be there to be able to make sure that we can service our customers 52 weeks a year. Is it difficult to keep a constant supply? Well, what we do is, one of my main positions is I actually work with the chefs. Mm-hmm. So you talk to chefs about what they want when they want to change their menus, and then what happens is they will say, right, I want lamb. Yep. So then we make sure that we have lamb for three months of the year, that particular uh, cut of lamb that they want. And then if we haven't got it, we talk to them, and then they perhaps might change their minds and go on something else. But it's always about dialogue with our customers to try and make sure that we, we've got 100% service level. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do is take you to the cutting room now, if that's okay. Yes, I'd yeah? love to see yeah, it. Yeah, no problem at all. 
there's rows of carcasses hanging up there's all kinds of meat there's boxes crates everything you can think of is very very cold as you'd expect and there's an awful lot going on in here if you're walking on a monday morning you'll probably have about eight to ten beef carcasses hanging up and then you'll have 50 to 100 sheep and obviously chickens with 600 chickens as the week progresses they obviously dwindle out so there's no beef left very little lamb left because we've cut it down and sold it mondays is when our, our deliveries start coming in so we have an abattoir which is a mile up the road so all the animals come off the farm on a friday go to the abattoir slaughtered ready for us to be processed come back to us on a monday morning it's only a mile away so it yes. just couldn't it's get a, any more it's a mile, you know it's out on the edge of the estate mm. so um yeah you know which is great for us because it gives all our food miles and it allows us to be proactive and and trying to make the animal less stressful. So that's all about trying to look after the cattle and looking after our, our, our meat. Yeah, and, and that's something that consumers are talking about more as well, isn't yeah. it? We've, we're all becoming more aware Everybody of Everybody wants to know where it's come from, yeah. how you're treating it, what you're doing with it. You know, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You know, for us, it's, it's key. You know, our animals are key. Sustainability does seem yes. to be core to the business. It, 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 but a lot of people want that. They want to understand that what they're eating is it's come from a sustainable farm and the people that are there are responsible and looking after the environment as much as anybody else. And that's what we're all about. You know? When I'm out in the field uh, talking to customers, basically you get like the likes of the Four Seasons Group, now a directive from above that 75% of what they source has to be sustainable. So, you know, it's key. And, and so, sort of customers we're talking about in uh, London and elsewhere, top-end customers, you go to... An organic store in Singapore, uh, where everything is organic, and uh, we always try to take the brand with us. I mean, the brand's really striking as well. You really notice it straight away. That's something you've obviously developed over the years. One of the things that we learnt in the early stages in developing the brand is to uh, have it highly visible wherever you could. So you'll notice here that meat is shrink wrapped in a bag with the brand on it. So when whoever opens that box uh, is confronted by the brand. And that's what they remember. They remember Reek, they remember the crest. Is there any, any of the meats you've seen a real surge in demand for? Over yes, a lot of poultry. Okay. Yeah, our white meat has really gone because it's, it seems to be a healthier product, you know. And obviously, you know, that's one thing that's really, really gone forward. Mm. And what, what about the venison? There's a lot of talk about venison as yeah, a low cholesterol meat. Venison is obviously in season now. Um, obviously with chicken it's all year round but venison is in season and that is going through the roof you know because it's, it's a real um, it, it seemed to be a leaner meat a leaner product which is obviously a bit more healthier for or a lot of conscious people at the moment and in the run up to Christmas turkeys, yeah, it's, geese it's the turkey ones that run up to Christmas now we've got a thousand turkeys on site they've been here with us since June so as you can see not a lot of room in my fridge at the moment <laughs> no. so we're going to have an interesting um, scenario trying to fit them all in but we'll get them all in the end butchery is yes. a really highly skilled job I mean I guess uh, you'd be providing training to local yes. people then. we do provide training we, we're looking at open up an academy uh, butchery academy here on site yeah. um, which has got a lot of the guys a lot of young, link, young kids can come in and start learning how to be a butcher so we're now joined by Emma, who is the property administrator here at the Riga Estate. Which types of renewable energy have you got here? We pretty much cover all the, the technologies. So we have solar, wind, hydro, and also a ground source and air source heat pumps in some of the residential properties. And we also have just a, a single biomass pellet boiler. Okay, so that powers all the farm here? It varies. So most of the technologies 
we um, just generate and export the power direct to the grid. We use some of the power on site, so um, we have a solar array that supplies the estate office, and there's one that's also connected to the farm shop business, and then any excess will go to the grid. So you also manage the commercial lettings and properties here on the estate. How many how many properties do you have in total? Um, I think total lettings is about 170. That includes, say, about 25 cottages here around Rig itself, um, also the commercial shoots, land from tenanted farms down to gardens, quite a variety. There's also a couple of large industrial um, units and a few sort of smaller storage facilities, etc. dotted about. So managing all that is a business in itself then, really? Yes, uh, yeah, everything needs maintenance. Everything, you know, has some degree of turnover and some planning is needed. And there's also quite a lot of moorland and woodland here. How do you go about managing something like that? Yeah, so, I mean, you'll appreciate that it's an expensive habitat to manage, mm. but we're taking a step back and looking at the asset again, deciding what else could we produce from that asset. Do we look at, you know, to re-establishing a a grouse shoot for example do we maybe develop bird tours can those two things coincide you know fit together um also we're doing a small pilot um looking into ecosystem services and how we might be able to trade those services so that's something we're hoping to um fund through a new welsh government fund the enabling natural resources and well-being fund what's really coming across looking round here is is the the high level of care that goes into the not only the livestock and the animals but also the land itself and the environment here is that something that's really central to the business here absolutely um lord newbury's ethos of sustainability does filter through mm-hmm. but we always have to keep a, a commercial head about us otherwise uh, we won't be able to continue doing <laughs> all this work those two things do unfortunately have to come together and sometimes they sit together quite nicely yeah i think every farmer listening to this will be nodding along at that (laughs) lord newbrook what other diversification plans do you have on the horizon i think the biggest thing to come yet is doing a body care cosmetic range using the reed brand Mm -hmm. and uh, my thinking behind that is that I want to create a brand with a story, use the sort of feeling of the environment that we have around us, the the organic bit, the fact that we've got fresh air, we've got natural berries growing in the hedgerows, we've got herbs growing around the the property, and to incorporate those into uh, a new range of cosmetics that I can go out and market on a global basis. It does seem to be a natural fit, doesn't it, when you put it like that? Well, I hope so. Everyone thinks I'm mad. I think it's applying the same principles that we're already applying to selling our meat, basically. It's selling a product that you believe in, Mm. and it's uh, selling a product with a story and selling a product that's produced perhaps using local ingredients, telling the customer about where the the environment, the product, is coming from. Okay. What do you think the next big diversification opportunity is for farmers? I think we we have to diversify to survive these days. I think the biggest growth area that I see in the meat section is for 
the healthy option like venison, mm -hmm. bison. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at red meats here that are lower in fat, higher in vitamins and minerals, 50% higher in omega-3 uh, than co conventionally produced uh, meats, and they're also more healthy to eat than fish or chicken. Okay. Now, are you always looking to grow and diversify, or some years is it just about securing and improving what you've got? I think my ambition all along has been to create a secure business that I can pass over to the next generation and something that uh, also is kind on the environment uh, something that one believes in uh, at the end of the day we're competing on the world stage and I prefer, much prefer to be a niche producer of sustainable products rather than always selling on price and I think here we've got something really special so before we go, do you have any final thoughts or advice for any other farmers who might be considering diversifying and following your example? I think first and foremost, you have to think what the customer is going to want now and what they might want for the future. Uh, I think that uh, you have to have a story, you have to have a brand, and you have to have a belief and some sort of vision as to where you're going. Seek advice wherever you can. Go out and look what other people are doing and learn from other people's mistakes. I think if there's one good point you can take away from a visit somewhere else and uh, adopt to your new business, do it. Okay. Well, I've been, I've been driving past for years and calling in. I've been calling in since there was just the two vans on the side of the farm. So it's been fantastic to have a guided tour today. really enjoyed it. And what's really come through is just the care that you and all your staff have and the team ethic. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much for showing us around Riga Estates, Lord Newborough, and we wish you the very best of luck for the future. Thank you. If you've been inspired to find out more about diversification, how to do it and what advice is out there for you, NFU Mutual has published a report on the subject that you can download right now. Just go online and search for NFU Mutual Diversification. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe through your normal podcast app and that way you won't miss an episode. And whilst you're there, please do leave us a review as well. In the next episode, we're visiting Port Nellan Farm on the banks of Loch Lomond to find out about their move into the world of holiday accommodation, activities and glamping. For now, from me, Will Evans, NFU Mutual and everyone here at Riga Estate in North Wales, it's goodbye. <laughs>